Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. Today, I'm here with the Cubs. What's up, everybody? <laughs> so you're born in Oregon? I was born in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Yes. 1992. <laughs> and your parents are from there as well? Um, yeah, my dad, my dad, I think my dad was from the Midwest, but he moved there in high school and they met and became high school sweethearts. So. Mm. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> what kind of music was played in the house when you were growing up? Holland Oates, Kenny Loggins, Stevie Nicks, or Fleetwood Mac. Um, just stuff like that, like the old 70s singer-songwriters, a lot of Elton John, a lot of Eagles. Um, my mom used to have those little speakers that you put on your belly, you know, when I was in the womb. Oh, really? And she played this song all the time called Leather and Lace, which was with Stevie Nicks and Don Henley from the Eagles. And it was weird because when I would hear it when I was older, like I worked at an ice cream shop and I heard it for the first time in like 10 years, I got this really weird tingly like homesick feeling. Mm-hmm. And then I like looked at some articles and um, some studies about it and I had like a prenatal connection to that song through oh, my mom. No and that's way. why I was getting that weird like sensation. Like I was like 10 minutes from home but I was feeling homesick like at work. It was like... That's crazy. Yeah. That's so cool though. Yeah. Wow. yeah. <laughs> so what do your parents do? Uh, my mom was a school teacher and she's happily retired and really bored. Um, <laughs> and my dad is a miserable banker. <laughs> he works at a, uh, he's worked at a bank like kind of my whole life. Um, and I really look up to him because I mean, nobody really wants to be a banker, mm-hmm. you know, um, but he's toughed it out. He's toughed out years, like decades of, you know, working at a job like that. So, wow. so I could do what I'm doing, you know. What, where do you think got your like creative side from? Um, trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it was inherent. I think my, you know, my grandma on my mom's side and my grandpa and my dad, they both played like piano violin and stuff like that but um but yeah I I don't think it was something I inherited because they were like more technically proficient and they liked you know they liked learning notes and stuff and I was always kind of a rebel I was like fuck that I don't want to like take lessons and stuff like that so um my creativity kind of I don't know I think you're you're born with it I guess Mm -hmm. Uh, everybody has it some amount how do you describe yourself back then growing up but, um, like 15, 16, like high school years. Uh, at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, heartbroken. Uh, and in love. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a really dramatic high school because of this girl that I was in love with. Um, mm-hmm. uh, she was like my first. And um, yeah, it cut deep, and that's why I became um, a songwriter. Oh, so. A lot of your lyrics, uh, the music is out from that? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Does I mean, she still know, like, everything, like, it's all yeah, about her? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I have, like, some, you know, my new song, I have an ex-girlfriend's voice from a voicemail at the beginning. No way! So, yeah, so, it's a very... Can you chill with that? Um, she doesn't know? <laughs> I distorted it. Yeah, she hasn't, yeah, we'll see. I, she, I don't think she's too happy about it, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But, you know, and the, but that girl from high school, she hit me up because she knows a lot of these songs are about her. Um, you know, because I just, I had so much um, pent-up emotion from that time, from being hurt so badly so many times. 
um, that I just needed an outlet for it, you know, because it was just going to poison me. So, mm-hmm. um, so a lot of the songs today are, are in that fashion. And she hit me up recently and was just like, I get that you need to, like, <laughs> air out this dirty laundry, but, you know, she's feeling bad because she's like, you were a really big part of my life, mm. you, you know, and you, te- you taught me how to love. And she's like, it just makes me sad that... Um, I'm not that for you. I'm the opposite of that mm. for you. And I had to reassure her. I was like, if it wasn't for you, like, I wouldn't be in L.A. right now. Wow. You know? I, wow. I might be a banker. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't like school? No, I did not. I was an outcast. Um, and I alienated myself, too, uh, to make matters worse. Um, I mean, high school, I remember, like, I went from a small school. I was a big fish in a little pond at a Catholic school. And then I... Uh, went into high school and I didn't know anybody and no one wanted to get to know me and people would like bully me and uh, say that they thought I was a they couldn't tell if I was a girl or a boy and shit like that you know mm-hmm. and um, and everybody had friends right because they'd known each other their whole lives and so I would take laps around the school at lunch and like eating lunch in the bathroom and shit wow. is your person <laughs> about all that? yeah I mean there's nothing they could do mm. you know like you can't make people like your kids. <laughs> uh, you know, it broke their hearts, but, you know. I would, like, I remember one time my dad had to pick me up, pick me up from a uh, football game because I was just, like, I got bullied. I tried to, like, I tried to go by myself to make friends at a football game, you know, in, yeah. like, freshman year. And um, I just couldn't seem to figure it out. So um, I found a band. Oh, so that was what you were doing in your free time, like, yeah. jamming. Yeah, that's the only way place I could belong. Mm-hmm. And then you went to Oregon, Oregon State? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, went to, I went to Oregon State after that. So um, I was first in like a band. We were making like, you know, the pop punk emo music of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was basically just stealing Green Day chords and writing Taking Back Sunday lyrics <laughs> over them. Oh my God. Terrible singer too. Um, <laughs> terrible. Uh, but, and then I was like, yeah, singing's tough. And I sound like shit, so I'm going to rap, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because I knew I, I knew I had a richness to my voice, and I was like, I'll just rap, that'll be great, and I really took a liking to it, um, and so I rapped from, like, age 17 to 22, Yeah. so I was primarily a rapper. And then, like, people in your frat knew that you were rapping, right, but they kind of, like, were joking yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, I mean, listen, to give those guys credit, um, I did not make it easy to like me. You know, and I used music to like bolster myself, right? So like, I'd be like, it was more of this mentality like you have to like my music or, um, like, I'm gonna be big someday, you know. So fuck all of you guys, and it's such a poisonous mentality. Um, and I, what I was manifesting there, the seeds that I were plant that I was planting, then, um, grew into. Uh, a me that I was not very proud of. Mm. And people didn't like the music because they didn't like the intention behind it. And the intention was to cover up like pain and, and to make myself superior to my um, insecurity, mm. you know? I mean, that's kind of an abstract way of putting it, but um, that along with, um, maybe it just wasn't that good. I mean, so, um, you know, they didn't want to see me try and they mm. people wanted to see me fail. and. Uh, when you have a lot of people like that manifesting around you, like you can't expect to pull out 
some kind of magic from that. It's just not going to happen. Why do you decide to join a friend in the first place? Same thing that I joined a band in high school. I wanted friends, mm. you know. I, I've always wanted to belong. You know, it was a great experience. Like, parts of it are great. Um, but that's not, that's not me. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, it <laughs> not me. <laughs> uh, and, that, and that just quickly showed itself. And were you studying, like, media stuff? Yeah, um, new media communications, yeah. and then minor in Spanish, um, which I did not complete, um, and I did not retain any of that Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you decide to, was college something that your parents just kind of like forced on you? Oh yeah, there's no, yeah. there's no option. So I'm like, you <laughs> didn't even like school, so you just had to like graduate. Yeah, that's all I had to do. So basically, I took the easiest classes I possibly could, and I got good grades because, um, Turns out I was, I'm intelligent. I didn't know that because <laughs> in high school. So it was just easy for you, like test taking was just like. So yeah, and I was taking such easy classes too. Um, and basically all I would do all day was make music on GarageBand on my iPhone and walk around campus. So I would skip so much. The only reason I got like low scores is for attendance. Mm. Yeah. So um, you at that point didn't even know what kind of career that you were going to be. Oh, I always knew. Oh, you always knew that you were going to be a musician. Yeah, but yeah. But you didn't want to study music. No, no, because that would kill it, right? I mean... <laughs> no, some many... musicians have. That's true, that's true. For me, and I... On, you know, maybe it's just like my personality. Um, but if I'm told to do something, I'm like, Ugh. You know, if my girlfriend tells me to like, you know, can you clean up some of this stuff while I'm gone? I'm like, no, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but if she leaves and doesn't say anything, then I'll be like, I'm going to clean this up for her, you know? It's just like that, like like stubborn rebel mentality uh, <laughs> but yeah the the whole structured thing and like when when your passion becomes work or homework or a chore then um i think the joy gets sucked out of it and i, I knew a lot of kids that you know my parents made me uh made me take up violin and i had to do it two hours a day for seven years they're not violinists mm, today and, yeah and that, that's generalizing but I like to generalize yeah, things. I, think that, I feel like that's true, though. <laughs> what did your parents think of you initially doing music? Or, like, they knew that you always wanted to be a musician? Yeah, well, like, the, <laughs> so, like, the first few recordings I would, like, show them, they, they would hear them and be like, huh, nice, you know? Like, they didn't like it, you know? They knew mm -hmm. I was bad. But, you, you know, of course every person's going to be bad when they start. So I think to be a healthy parent, you got to foster that and be like, keep going, buddy, you know, like you got this. And they did. I mean, my mom was really rooting for me the whole time. Oh, wow. You know, no matter what I did, she'd be, she was all over it. Wow. And my dad was kind of like, oh, always have a plan B, buddy. <laughs> you know, he would always say that. And, and that's, that was his way of showing me love, is keeping me prepared for the real world. Um, and not live in like a fantasy. Mm -hmm. And I would tell them, you know, like, why wouldn't you want to live in a fantasy? <laughs> like, why would you choose a life that's not exactly what you want to be doing every second? Even chores. Like, when I was a kid, I, I told my parents that I wasn't going to have to clean when I grew up because I was going to be famous. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just hire. And, um, yeah, and I would just like hire people. And my, my mom would be like, you sound like such a spoiled bitch, you know? <laughs> Um, but that was kind of the motivation. It was like, I want to be able to live the life that, um, you know, if you believe in like reincarnation or coming back as something else and karma and this and that, I have been thinking about that a lot lately. And I think that my purpose here in this life is a vacation. Mm. You know, 
like I could have been born in the Holocaust, right? And yeah. then maybe my my journey through life is to learn how to forgive, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm here as a spoiled little millennial <laughs> um, with all the privileges that life has to offer, and there is no reason that that's like fair to anyone else who has a poor life, right? Or who has who's um, stricken with illness. Um, it's just the lessons that we're here to learn, and I think I'm here to learn to love myself and to enjoy. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, so how did you like get our music out there initially, and how long have you been going by Cubs? Okay, yeah, yeah. So um, fast forward a little. So through college, I would just do SoundCloud, right, mm -hmm. solely. And then um, my first rapper name was Flow Status. Uh, I thought that was pretty hard. <laughs> In fact, I even got this tattoo. Oh, yeah. I had a girlfriend, I think, at, um, like freshman year of college. She was, I think she was like trying to be like sexy or something. Mm. And she like whispered my rap name to me. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> that was so stupid. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I got to change that, obviously. If I, if I can't have my own artist name whispered into my ear during passionate lovemaking, <laughs> then it's not the right name. So um, change it to my childhood nickname Shawnee Jakes and then um, I made this song and got with this new team that I'm with right now and they're like we just need to start fresh like think of a name um, and so you know I had friends growing up that used to call me uh, man cub or like boy cub and I think that's from the jungle book Mowgli or whatever. Oh. and uh, so I wanted it to be having something to do with cubs and also because my name is Jacobs um, and I was even like, what if I call myself like Jay Cubs, you know? And <laughs> they're like, well, then you'll sound like a white rapper. Um, <laughs> so we just had to figure it out. And once I got Cubs, I was just like, I love it. I love, I love that. I love how it sounds, I love how it feels. Um, I'd be fine if it was whispered into my ear. I wouldn't love it, but I'd be better than <laughs> flow status. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then I didn't want to also like, I'm kind of sports or team, team sports averse. I just, mm -hmm. I'm not into it. Probably because I would always get um, excluded from it when I was younger or whatever and I wasn't athletic. So I didn't, I wanted to differentiate when people like Google my name, oh, you know, yeah. like the Chicago Cubs or whatever. True. So you people would be like, hey, uh, you see the World Series? And I'm like, fuck no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did not. Um, so then we came up with this funky spelling that's kind of like, Kind of like um, ancient Roman um, based, mm -hmm. except for the Z, but yeah. Yeah. And then what was the first momentum for you? Be Like You. Yeah. So was that before you moved to LA? Yeah. So I was in, I was in Corvallis at the time. It was like super rainy. Um, a friend of mine that I got really close to, he moved down to uh, Long Beach and I really missed him. So I wanted to write a song. Uh, I don't know, I just like to spend time in, in moments and memories and in people. So like if I'm having a bad day, I need to meditate. I don't like sit there and close my eyes and just breathe my way into oblivion. I, I like sit there and think about something I love or somebody I love. Mm -hmm. So I was just trying to focus on this, on this friend of mine. And I wrote that song and it was just about all my frustrations. And it was the first like real piece of my soul that I put into a song. Oh wow. I mean like... I say that now, but yeah, really, for real. Was it getting like playlisted a lot or yes. how did you push it? Yeah, Yeah. so um, we um, partnered up with this guy named Max Snow who runs Backtrack Music. 
he's a really good kid, very, very young, very intelligent uh, dude, and he pushed the hell out of it. And, um, you know, we got like 10 million streams yeah. or so. Um, and then that came with a bevy of, <laughs> uh, like, the pick of the litter for um, developing label deals. But it was all, like, 360 deals and predatory deals, you know, from RCA and, um, and Ultra Music. Just, like, you know, we went, went to a lot of meetings, and people were, very, like, very promising. The music speaks for itself. Um, but we're only going to offer you this much money for the next, you know, X mm-hmm. amount of time. And my biggest fear is being stuck in a label system. Yeah. So have you signed into that? No. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I signed a distribution deal uh, with Caroline. Yeah. Um, and they're a subsidiary of Capital. And they are, they, they kill it, dude. Yeah. Like they, they're definitely killing it in the, like, the SoundCloud rapper uh, scene, which is ironic because I was a SoundCloud rapper. <laughs> um, before the face tats, of course. Um, but I'm there first, like, you know, pop project they're taking on, so uh, it's, I'm very hopeful, oh, wow. and they do amazing work. Is that recent that you signed? Yeah, spring. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> How did the song with the Chainsmokers come about? Um, so, me and a couple of my buddies are writing a song for for the Cubs project. Um, I was writing about that same high school girlfriend. <laughs> uh, never gets old. Um, and we made the song, and we sent it to... Um, our boss man, kind of our manager, producer dude, and he's like, boys, I think you just wrote a hit. And I was like, I mean, that's, that's like music to my ears, you know. Um, and so, yeah, uh, we sent it to Alex and Drew. Um, Alex loved it. He wanted to, like, wait for the right time to spring it on to Drew. And one night, one evening, they were on a yacht, all, like a, yeah, a yacht all day, as the chain smokers are known to do, <laughs> you know, partying and stuff, and the sun was setting and um, Alex put on the song and Drew was like, what is this, dude? And he's like, this is our new song. Wait, so you were there with them? No. Or someone's no. like retelling you this whole story. Yeah, Alex told me the story oh. you know, when I first met them. He told me the entire thing, like how it went down. <laughs> That's a dope building. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that was life-changing, just to be on um, such a big record, you know, it went uh, platinum or double platinum yeah. or something. Um, that did come with a little bit of heartbreak. Um, Alex and Drew loved the song so much they wanted it to be the single. Mm-hmm. Artists don't always get the liberty of choosing their singles. <laughs> um, and I think that they had a, a somewhat regrettable um, performance um, at Billboard, mm-hmm. the awards. Um, I don't know why, it just it, it didn't come across for some reason. Um, you know, uh, I, I thought they did good, mm-hmm. but they got a lot of backlash. Oh. Um, People can be so mean on the internet, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think Columbia pulled it. They're like, no, we're going to go with the song Honest instead. So, yeah. like, dude, in my, I was, like, cashing checks in my mind already. Because if you have, like, a... Yeah. If you have a Chainsmokers song on the radio at the time, it would have been top five, no matter. Like, yeah. It was just, like, that role that they were on. And so, you know, and I was kind of asking. I was like, so what does a writer on a top five song usually make? And they're like, they probably make a million in a year. And I was like, oh, Okay. So, you know, I was, like, playing. I was, like, yeah. okay, we're going we're gonna to move out to, like, Bell Canyon area. And, like, I'm going to, like, have, like, this treehouse life, you know, like, yeah. out in the woods. And, like, um, and then two weeks later, just things just come crashing down sometimes. And yeah. That's kind of the beauty of it, too, mm-hmm. looking back. 
Because, <laughs> I mean, you can't have all your dreams come true at once. I've had mm -hmm. a lot come true very quickly. And I wasn't ready for that money. I just wasn't. Mm -hmm. the, the universe did not have it in store for me. Um, I had a lot more to learn. Mm -hmm. And were you always, like, writing for other people, too? Like, you have your own Never. project? Oh. Never. <laughs> um, yeah, that Chainsmokers one was the first time that I was like, I'm going to give this away. <laughs> but oh. I didn't really question it. I was like, okay, if it's the Chainsmokers. I like hoped in my mind that like maybe I could still sing on it, but that was a no-go. So, mm. um, so, did so, did yeah. people like push you after for like writing, like more writing opportunities then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, a lot of people would be like, hey, will you write a Feels Great for me? Like, do, do, do it just like you did for Feels Great. Do it just like you did for the Chainsmokers. And it's like, dude, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't just, you can't trap lightning like that twice. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that it was like a miraculous song, either one of them, but, you know, yeah. you can't just recreate something. Mm -hmm. And then how did this song with Fetty Wap come about? Um, yeah, it was last spring. Um, my friends invited me to the session, and I didn't really want to go. I don't know why. I was like hiking. I think I gave blood that day too, so oh. I was just like, <laughs> and my friend was like, "Dude, we're kind of having this session because, like, because of you. So, like, it'd be pretty shitty if you didn't come." So I was like, "Fine," and <laughs> I went to the session, and my friend was playing like this super '80s, like, 16 candles sounding soundtrack sounding um, beat instrumental um, track. And we were like, all right, we gotta write like a silly, nostalgic, cheesy 80s song. And we did. Um, and it was one of those moments where like, do you remember how it feels to be young? And like, we were sitting there racking our brains and we were like, we need, we need like a tagline to end off this chorus. Like, how does it feel to be young? And it was one of those moments that we were like, let's sleep on it. <laughs> Walking out the door, like, feels great, motherfucker. And uh, we're looking at each other and it was like, can you say that? Can you say that in a song? And um, I guess there's no rules these days, so we decided to do it. It was like the perfect little bow um, on, that, on that gift, the perfect icing on the cake for that song, and we sent it to um, Cheat Codes because we had the same manager at the time. Mm. They loved it, and then they wanted to get another A-lister on it. And without question, they wanted to keep me on it. And I was like, I mean, I appreciated that so much. You know, they were giving mm -hmm. me a huge opportunity uh, with that. And so I've been a big fan of Fetty Wap. Um, I kind of started singing right when Fetty Wap started oh. releasing. And I, it took me a while to find my voice, you know. I'm not like a wonderfully trained singer, so I knew I'd have to make a distinct sound for my voice and make it come from a place that transcends technical proficiency. Um, and it just turned out to kind of sound like Fetty's voice. And so right as I started singing, Fetty starts releasing his, you know, Trap Queen and shit. People were like, oh, your music sounds just like his. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, Cheat Codes heard my voice and like, you sound like Fetty Wap on this, so let's get Fetty Wap on this. <laughs> you know, they're label mates, so. Oh. So then uh, it was about a five-month wait for Fetty to <laughs> record those, that verse. So. Um, he's a busy man. He takes his time. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not with haste, so, um, but we finally got it, I loved it, um, you know, he was like singing low, which I've never heard him sing low before, 
Um, and it turned out that I sounded more like him in that song than he did because <laughs> he was trying something different. Oh. Um, and, you know, hit radio and, it's, you know, as a dream come true. Yeah. You know? How would you say you've grown as a person compared to when you were younger? I've grown a few times. I've turned into a worse person. And then I've crashed and burned and restarted, became a new person, a better person, and then slowly got tainted by love or mischievous behavior. And then I became a worse person again. And my life has been in this cycle of regression and progression. Um, but the main thing is... Um, I began to remember who I am um, in, within the place of this universal consciousness and um, I remember that I have a purpose here and that I have past lives and um, I have felt this abundant stream of um, what you call God or what I call love um, and I know that my existence and your existence is for the same purpose and we both come from that stream of love and the only thing besides our bodies and our egos uh, the only thing besides our bodies that separate you and I and our, who we are is our egos and when we leave here we become one again and um, with that kind of knowing that om omnipresence within yourself um, you don't just become a different person you become nobody and everybody mm -hmm. at the same time. Um, and so my day now consists of perfect moments of remembering that with hours and hours of forgetting who I am between that. Mm, I like that. That kind of ties, ties into the next question. What does love mean to you? Um, love has always meant everything to me because it, it has been my driving force. It's the reason I picked up a guitar in high school, I knew that I would never find love or, like, you know, I'd never get to make out unless I've had a, you know, if I had something to make me more desirable, right? So I pick up the guitar, I was like, okay, if I can't be good looking or whatever, then I can do music. Um, if I can't be, like, physically fit, then I can be a superstar, you know, or whatever. Um, and that was my motivation. It was very, like, young, stupid motivation. Um, but. It, the whole motivation has been love because I wanted to find that love for myself because mm -hmm. that's our purpose here. Um, one of the many purposes here is to learn to love ourselves and we always, always seem to confuse that with finding somebody else. Now, um, like I said, all of my dreams are coming true almost on a weekly basis. Oh wow. And that's because I've never given my dreams any reason to doubt me and to, and I've commanded them. Um, but real, the real dream and the real goal of my entire life is to be able to find somebody who will love me with that unconditional godliness that kind of, that I feel awaits us after this life. And I found that before Be Like You even came out. Mm. And I found, her name's Haley, and I found her in Corvallis, Oregon, that place that I was trying to get out of for so long. And... In finding her and actualizing our life together as we are, everything else that happens, you know, if I win a Grammy next year or, you know, if, if my new song goes triple platinum, that's all just icing on the cake because everything else is just extra. 
Last question, what do you want to be remembered for? I think we're mainly remembered for how we make people feel about themselves. Um, and that's like on a personal basis, but I think when you get into this realm of being a person of interest or whatever you're remembered for, how you, uh, your music made people feel, right? So if my music can speak to my experiences and resonate with somebody else, my hope is that they'll realize that they aren't the only person going through it because my ultimate goal is for people to see what I've seen in those brief moments of conscious perfection and that's that there is no separation between us um, so if I can make one person feel like that for one second in their life then that's something to be remembered by yeah this is awesome thank you so much I love that thanks dude <laughs> <laughs> bye guys bye it's been fun ah. <laughs>